0: So yeah, my thought in response to your question is to just do what the fuck I want to do. I don't want to form. no matter who says it. Even sometimes people close to me will be like, maybe you should do some shorter form content and please the pe-. I'm like, no, I do what the fuck I want to do. If I stop doing that, I'm not me anymore, you know?
1: Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing no fucking game. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, man, because they giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle Podcast. What's up with it? It's official. For the first time ever, we have Hip Hop Hustle Podcast merch. From hoodies to T-shirts to hats and even slides, go to the hiphophustlepodcast.com to get yours. All right, there we go. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast. I'm with my next guest, the one and only Shadow, an unbelievable dancer and someone with his own style. Like, that was the one thing that really encapsulated me about you was when I looked at you dance, it was almost like I couldn't really pick out style it just felt like your own you, you seem to have really creative ways of expressing yourself and i had to have you on the show man because i just wanted to get inside the brain of someone who is really pushing the boundaries of like contemporary dance obviously there's hip-hop elements you recently did uh, a few music videos with some hip-hop beats um I've, i know kendrick is a few you've done a few songs of kendrick's as well so man it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show.
0: Thank you for having me, man. Really appreciate it.
1: So how's it been for you? Because, I mean, right now we're doing this and you're in China. You're touring the world. Did, does it feel real to be able to just do what you you love and and literally be able to go around and, and do it in all these different places around the world?
0: Um, I think that's a really good question you're asking. Um, there is, um, I get two states that I gravitates or let's say jump across in one is I'm so immersed within the work that I forget that I get to live a lifestyle that is incredibly privileged in the sense where you know I started this with when I was 17 with the wild thought of okay, I really love doing what I'm doing right now. And I would want to, no, I will make it a profession. I'm gonna be able to live with it and do it, right? And by doing it, which is kind of like the the you know, the philosophy would you speak about the fact of climbing the mountain and forgetting that you've climbed the mountain, so like you're looking at other horizon to like. Being aware that you've already climbed that mountain, so uh, I struggle with that. Meaning that I have spaces where I forget that hey, I'm super, I should be super grateful and very happy because I get to do the things that I love. And while I've I've states where I get that gratefulness because I realize hey, I've done all that, and I'm being able to do all of that. But um, so yeah, these times when really it feels surreal, and it's time because also I have a routine. That because of that routine and that those processes that I'm doing, it becomes, it becomes so natural that I forget that it's still an incredible experience that I'm living. So it's a very good question because still to this day, I think I fluctuate between states. When I'm grinding, I'm very aware that I'm grinding. So I'm like, <laughs> hey, I'm pushing towards something. Uh, and when I have space of stillness, then I get to the space of like, hey, oh, look at the things that are surrounding me i can look at the trees and be like hey oh my god uh, i'm really living this thing which is yeah so i guess it fluctuates between what i'm doing and where i'm at if i'm like very focused into like writing on the work i can't really see what's around me and i'm only focusing on the tunnel vision and like where i'm heading towards
1: well the good news is that we started with a good question the only hope is that We continue with good question. I haven't peaked from here, but, yeah, it's it's really interesting because, like, when you said that, it's almost like, you know, you have this vision of a mountain and you want to get to the top of the mountain, and then when you get there, you're, like, above the clouds, but you see all these other mountains that are higher than the one you originally wanted to scale. And so you're like, oh, I could climb all those other mountains forgetting how amazing the view is from where you are as well. And I think that hurts a lot of artists or a lot of artists struggle with it because that's what makes you successful is you're always looking for the next horizon. You're always looking for the next mountain to climb. You're always looking for the next challenge. But I think that's what hurts at the end of people's careers and when people end up going, hey, I've had enough, is they didn't enjoy it enough at the time of like, hey, that was fun. Hey, I got to do things that no one else got to do. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah that's a good point um i think personally speaking because i fluctuate between the states i get to enjoy you know what i'm doing uh i've never got like the burnout or felt frustrated because i'm just focused on one thing i have this weird I would assume it's healthy, but I got this weird polarity of extreme that I live in. I don't live in the gray. I live in okay, I'm grinding like crazy and then I'm enjoying myself. Right. As I have those polar that I have to like play around with, kind of like yin yangness in a sense. So uh to me, like for instance, like right now, we we're speaking about I'm on tour and everything, in my head. It's not like, oh wow, I'm touring the world or this is amazing It's just like I'm working. That's in my head, right And then during my pace of tennis, I'll be sitting down or even like talking to my partner and we're like, oh this is pretty incredible and I will get to get to different places every week. I can eat great food, I see different sites, I can enjoy things. So I have you know those weird moments where um, I allow myself to, I have the presentness of appreciating where I'm at and what I've been doing and also have the other aspect of me that just like, I don't see anything around me. I just focus on the work. Uh, and back to what you said, I think that's the thing that I don't have. I really don't live in the past, but, but this is, I may have done a lot of things, but I don't relive them. And I don't know, I think. Maybe for some people, it's a bad thing. Like you need to appreciate the step that you've done. But to me, it's important because it he he gives me a a um, a compass that focuses on the now, just the now. I don't even look at the future, really. I only look at the future for like metrics that are kind of like more practical, like, you know, building a family of things that need to have a certain sense of visualization. But I really focus on the presentness and the now Rather than, hey, five weeks ago I did this, three years ago I did this, because I feel that it's also something that sometimes traps people into reliving the past achievement and triumphs and triumphs mm-hmm. instead of just building what you can now, you know, adding the bricks to the house that you have right now, instead of looking at you know the tree that I planted five years ago, the the five years ago is gone. So even though I may have done great things, they don't really matter now and there's a quote i don't even know why hip hop party said it uh you're only as big as your last last hit i think it was twister that mm. said that But you're as big as your last hit and i think that's extremely important because you only the only thing that matters is now like it doesn't matter if you did uh, the greatest things possible 50 or 20 years ago they're done they're part of Legacy, but it now relevant to your present right now.
1: Yeah, I think. But it reminds me of like those old artists who tour the one song that just made them big, and that's it. That's all anyone wants to hear. And I imagine that it would be really difficult to live that life. That like you're releasing new music, but no one wants to live. No one wants to listen to it. They love that one song from 20 years ago. I think it would drive you crazy a little bit to constantly be forced to go back in time and relive when you were the biggest thing on the world and then to release new music. And everyone's like, eh, play your old stuff.
0: Yeah. I think it will probably be frustrating. So how, how would you feel? Cause, um, uh, speaking about this, right. Cause we live in a very different era where, um, even, well, I mean, the content and also more the music that we consume has, I guess, um a very different relationship with all of us like i'm born in 91 right so uh on the verge of like knowing the net and the internet but i've always blessed to during the beginning of my career to have to search for music by searching i mean i had to go on thatpiv.com i had to like find different websites mixtapes you know there was no just like spotify i had to like find mixtapes like uh uh dj drama um the how do you call it, yeah. There's so many that I can't even name on top of my head right now because it's been so long ago. But the digging and the searching was basically allowed you to not only discover new artists, but it built a um a kind of grind when you had to search for the diamonds that you were looking for, right? And you also had to that also give you an experience of like starting to like know the body of work of a sonar artist you know i discovered a bunch of artists through mixtapes i discovered you know like the whole southern journey of like hip-hop music mm-hmm. through mixtape. i covered the, the east coast west coast different uh layering and sounds through the mixtapes right While now people that will experience a lot of artists and music just like you said might just know one song because of tiktok so they'll go to a concert and can sing that one track, but then there's other songs that come out and they just, just don't know what's going on. And I've also seen that happen a lot with uh, some artists when people can sing one song, one track, and then they play the other artist, and then the entire crowd is quiet because that's the only thing that they related to, and the only thing that they actually related to the entire EP or album. Now maybe only when I'm on Spotify for that one song, and I now fan of the artist. So I think, what do you think of? this change of relationship with music, because I think music is one of the art forms that has drove and is driving culture uh, in different directions. So if now people are taking bite-sized version of the art, right, which is something that is um, experienced and tested through, I guess, a sort of proximity, a connection, right? Um, where do you think it lives? the art form right now because the consumer is i would say as important as the artist because indirectly the consumer drives what the artist can make and provide because if for example it was I had nobody that was uh consuming me as an artist as a dancer i would just be a crazy person in my room doing dance moves uh, and you know there will be no evolution or there'll be no uh, transition from that. The same way as any artist that has a music that's been heard and consumed will grow and evolve based on the reaction from the mass. Cause you get kind of like a sense of the quality or um, I guess expertise that you have based on like the market response. If I put a song and the response is terrible, I will get feedback and that feedback might let me know, okay, so based on that percentage of response, this might be improved. I can change this and maybe improve this and then go back to the you know, the building board and improve myself. So as um yeah, as a hip hop head yourself, where do you think it leaves us also with the fact that tech is involved is evolving in a way where I think music is also going to change in nature? If you can synthesize music by like machine learning, I think, yeah, there's a lot of things that will change in the years to come. So I think it's a very interesting space that we're in right now.
1: Yeah. Well, it was your turn to ask me a good question. Um, <laughs> so I think there's there's multiple components to that. Um, the first being who drives music? Is it the artist or the consumer? And I think it actually comes from the artist first. The consumer gives you feedback on whether it works or not. But the artist itself is still the artist. No one knows they like it until they hear it and it does something to them. So, you know, how do you know the Mona Lisa is the Mona Lisa? Is that from feedback first? Or is that from the artist just doing what is inherently creative? That's what you did. You danced and then people were like, that's cool and you continued dancing. But I don't think... The true art actually comes from feedback. I think feedback is associated with good art and true art. So I think there is that parallel there of like, I look at Kanye, for example, as a good example of like, he just does whatever the hell he wants to do. And he got good feedback based on his own inner creativity. And I think the more we do that, the better art we will receive. But I do think now, the way it's evolved is that like a simple question, like when was the last time you sat down and just listened to an album? When was the to last a time? A full album. That's okay. A full album. But uh, this is for the, the audience. This is not only for you, but this is for the whole audience. This is for everyone listening. When was the last time you sat down and listened to the album? And for most of us, it's a long time ago. Based on that question, 30 years ago, music was the best thing we had. It was the best entertainment we had. So you could just listen to an album. That was the best. But now it's not that. Music is a vehicle to drive visual mediums. That's what it feels like. Mm. Or it's background. Or it's like I play it when I'm going to the gym. Like for me personally, the best time to listen to music is going for a walk or like when I'm driving. But when was the last time I actually listened to a proper album was probably a few months ago when I just was like, I'm going to listen to a project from start to finish. That's the biggest change to me. It's very bite-sized, but albums themselves aren't as loved as they used to be, even though they should, because that's like a painting. An album is a painting to me.
0: uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a really good point. But do you think it's because of the... Um, how common or how much of a commodity music has become or also is that linked to the evolution of tech? Because if we run backwards, music was also hard to skip based on the technology that we had. If you had an MP3 you would have to manually skip every song or like press the forward button until you get to the song apart so i remember when i had an mp3 I, didn't re- I did not really skip songs just because it was hard to do like i would only really skip some if i already listened to it but you take the time to listen to them furthermore when you had like a um, those a, a walkman cuz i had him when i was really young you would not skip songs like you would just like listen to the music right um Because I feel also that our relationship, just like you said, our relationship with music changed the fact where it became portable. Before, you would not exercise and listen to music. You would not maybe walk and listen to music. You would sit and listen to music. Or be in a room and dance and listen to music. So the relationship with it would be very uh, particular where it would require your time and attention while now, just like you said, it becomes often a background where you just have music playing and it goes through a playlist of different songs, different artists, different moods, and just goes around rather than listening to it. Yeah, because the last project that I listened to was Kendrick Lamar's album. That's the last thing that I actually listened to also because I really messed with his work and I also wanted to, like, understand the different layering that, Yeah, because it was an album that I had to, like, actually – I couldn't, like, do things. I uh, had to sit down and, like, absorb it to, like, really um, take it in. And, and
1: that came out also, over 12 months ago. That project came out more than yeah, 12 months ago. Yeah. And That's I would consider like, you yeah. as someone who's in music. I mean, you dance. You listen to, to beats. You choreograph. You – let it help inspire you. And so for you to be someone who I only listened to a project, a full project start to finish 12 months ago, imagine the normal person who just listens to music for enjoyment. Like I think that that in and in of itself explains our relationship with music. It's like you said, it's portable, but it's also disposable because like I look at my Spotify and I have two and a half thousand songs that I've liked. I'm I mean, what are the odds I'm listening to all of those songs once a year? Probably not, let alone new albums, let alone start to finish. I just think the digging has changed. Like you were talking Mm -hmm. about you digging. We just dig with different tech, but you can still dig and be purposeful. It just feels like there's way more. So there's way more to get distracted by. It's like, instead of there's not enough, there's too much and so it's a quality issue it's like i got to find very particular songs that match what i'm looking for or very particular albums and artists but yeah discographies seem to be a thing of the past it's all about singles and like but you know i think that's just the evolution i think it'll go back to albums at some point
0: uh as a It might go back, but I don't know if we'll get the quality of music that we used to get. Because for instance, I think that's maybe why I don't listen to albums that much, is because sound, all sound the same. And that amount of, um, I guess, that oversaturation of music, it is really hard to find sound that just sound very unique. You know, that's also why, on top of my head, the some of artists that I listen to, or that I would listen to for like full length of album, just because they have a very specific sound. Like I can always go back to Snoop. I won't listen to current Snoop Dogg's music because it's not the same. It's not that I'm trying to get the same, but it, you know, like this. That's a thing that I love about um, what um, Android Three Thousand said, and the reason why I quit music, even though a lot of people uh, have similar views on the fact that it will still be relevant as an artist based on being an incredible lyricist it's more so the fact that there is just like we all have a prime time in everything right just like me i have i'll probably move all my life i do a bunch of different things but movement will be a part of my life right until i can't move no more but i have my prime time and i will have an exit I'm not, you're not going to see me touring and performing when I'm 40 years old. It's not going to be, I'm going to be playing another, another game plan. Right. Got my prime time. I understand what my body can do and how high I can push my body. You know, one of my references, Michael Jordan, we, we won the most championship, you know, till his late thirties and exited, even though he could have still kept going, but he took an exit at the perfect timing. Right. I did the best that he could you reach this peak, and then you exit and you let people, you, de- you let the next generation, the youth, play the young game. You, sh- you should not play, you should not be a older man or older woman playing a young person's game because you don't have the same elements to give into the space, right? The same as uh, if I listen to Snoop. Snoop come uh, from a very specific era, which was gangster rap right? That's not the life that he lives right now. He can't rap the same. Even though he might have the same flow and the same things, the things that he says would not connect to that lifestyle and the theme that it was a part of because that's not his theme and his reality, right? The same as if I listen to Kendrick, I can listen to the evolution of Kendrick. The way that Kendrick raps and what he raps about, is very different than what he rapped about even like five or six years ago because he's a different man, he's a different person. He has more wisdom and a collection of experience, and he feels more, his his body of work feels more like a reflection to the growth from a young man to an adult and through a, I guess, middle-aged man, right? It feels more like I'm going through a therapeutic event, right? When I listen to Cardi B, for instance, I don't really listen to her, but if I listen to her, it will be like before going to a party and like going a little crazy. It's the same person that's rapping. There's been no growth because that's a grown woman still playing a young woman's game, right? So, do you think the problem
1: is not that they get old, but they try to hold on to the youth when they should just express their life? Because I agree with you, there is an audience for the people who loved you when you are young and they're also getting older. So it's like I'm growing at the same time the artist that I listen to grows and so I can see their life stages in parallel to mine and them talking about it makes me feel better about it because I'm also getting older. I I agree. I think that's why Kendrick did such a fantastic job is because he's evolving with his life path but so are we as his audience and then when you see rappers or artists in general who do the same thing they were doing 30 years ago, you're like, Hey, you're a little bit washed out. Like you need to change and match who you are now. Cause that feels more genuine.
0: Exactly. But then it goes back to what you said. The art comes first and then the feedback comes after, but there's an issue too with the consumer, meaning that sometimes they don't like change. They like maybe the, um uh, Kendrick that is um uh, what was what was the Kendrick from the good Kid, mad that is
1: city. yeah good right? kid mad yeah. city I mean that's kid my favorite project don't
0: want that frame of that person they don't want anything else when it's not a something that it can bop their head to and be, go crazy, it's like oh no, this is me I don't really like I can't relate to that because even though some it's kind of like I see it's similar to relationships right when you I grow your friend. There's some people that that stay in a frame and only want that frame. And music is a very important catalyst because it changes the mood and kind of like connects with our state of mind, right? If I listen to Future, I listen to Future for specific reasons. I can't just be at peace and maybe, you know, like go into a business meeting and about Future. (laughs) That's not the music and the frequency that's equivalent to that. I can listen to Future in the club when I'm drinking Hennessy, dancing and going crazy because this is the frequency in the lyrics and everything that goes around with that metric. So people that listen to Future and if tomorrow Future starts to start doing conscious rap, they're not going to be happy because that's not why they're listening to that person. The same for Cardi B. If Cardi B changes and be like, now I'm cooking and I'm cleaning, it's not the framing of the person and the music that you want to listen to. So I think. But here's the thing. Here's
1: the thing. Don't you think if they changed fans would come, they would lose fans. Undoubtedly. They would lose fans. They would be like, you know, future is whack. Like he's washed out, whatever. But don't you think fans would come and different fans would gravitate? And maybe that's the point. The whole point is like, you don't want to be 21-year-old future forever because 21-year-old future is not 21 anymore. Like you said, you live in the moment. It's time for the artist to live in the moment. And it's not about the fans. And I think as weird as it sounds, the artist's job is to create art, good, bad, or ugly, but their job is to create art, not to just make fans happy. The fans' job is is to try and understand the art that's being made. And if it makes you feel something, good, bad, or ugly, well, then it did its job. But I think there is this weird relationship where fans think that they can control artists and artists think they can control fans, whereas really it should be the art is the art. You're expressing yourself. If people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. And I think the weird part is money, that it's all about Mm. being successful. Because if we take money away, no one would care. You would just put your art out there like every person when they started. Every person when they started is the purity of I want to express myself. And that's usually when they make their best art, when they're at the beginning of their career, when they have no pressure, when there are no fans. That's when they like really give us something that we're like, wow, that made me feel it made me align with you and then all of a sudden they see the numbers and you see the streams and you see the sales and all of a sudden you're obsessed with that not obsessed with creativity anymore and so that's where I disagree that's where I think like if Cardi B wanted to change change she should she should be allowed to but I think it's money that's stopping them and I think it's the thought of not reaching the heights that they have already reached that scares them from doing it that's
0: a fair possibility i think it's maybe also another line because i don't think everybody can change it's also that Mm. you know everybody also have the um qualities because it's not only because art I like to say that the artist and the person are two different things. Like you need to be able to separate the artist and the person, but art and the person are still interconnected in the sense where I'll say something wild, but R. Kelly told us is how he was in his music. You know what I mean? Cause you express yourself through your art. Cause that's one of the most vulnerable space that you have as a person is expression of your mind, your your feelings through what you paint, what you say, and what you cultivate, right? So I also think that, yes, some artists have the fear of maybe not changing, but trying new things because money is involved or, like you said, status and fame is so important that they don't want to lose that, which is one of the things that I love and that we probably both love about Kanye is that Kanye, since the beginning of his career, like a lot of people said, he changed, but when I look at the pattern and the path is the same person. He always did crazy and weird things that could basically terminate his career just because he felt like saying it. You know, he's the guy that went on national TV and said that George Bush doesn't like black people randomly, right? He's the same guy that made wild comments about Lady Gaga for no reason, right? The same guy that, you know, wore the hat when everybody did not. He always want. he always felt the need to do most things that contradict certain things. You know, like the one of the, I think one of the worst albums he did was a, uh, oh song he did was a song with Kim Kardashian when they were riding a horse and everything. And you were like, why? But in the same sense, I would applaud that because as an artist, you should do whatever you want to do, as weird as it may be, and be willing to put it out there. And he's been willing to do and try things that you would normally try in the booth when you experiment it but you'll be willing to experiment and literally put the experiments out there I mean, like you know it is what it is and I think that's how art used to be because we also did not have social media so a lot of artists were doing things that were comfortable doing things because it would be hard to have a feedback in front of your face so you could do a bunch of things and try and like uh, experiment with your style, with your flow, with some of art forms, because you would not have somebody or a bunch of people scrutinize you and tell you that, hey, we don't like... Like There was even, I think, a skid curry that released something recently, and his fans made him put it back, <laughs> which I think, to me, as an artist, is crazy that you put out something that you feel is good, and the fans tell you, no, we don't like that cutty. And then you'll take it back and be like, oh, I've listened to you guys. I'm going to do something different. I think that's super damaging for art. Because it means that you're stopping the person that maybe did the most random thing and got fame and noticed by you guys based on doing that thing from a pure place, right? Because art is just like a scientist doing a bunch of experiments with different um. With different substances. And at one point, boom, you have the Big Bang and you create a small planet. But you've got to experiment with different things until you get there. And if you don't let the artist do his job, which is trying and expressing and experimenting, you're killing the art form. And that's when we start to get like, I think that's why we get sounds that all sound the same. It's very synthetic because everybody just have a formula and just emulating the same formula again and again and again and again.
1: Well, I think he should have said, tough shit. Don't listen to it then. Like, that's my attitude for an artist. Like, I know uh, there are artists that I like that drop music that I don't like. And it's my job to try and understand what they tried to do. Regardless of whether I like it or not, I don't have to listen to it. There are people who will. So the artist's job is to be like, well, tough shit. That's This is what I released. That's what I felt. That's what I my creativity led to. And so it makes me think about you and and your creativity and then, like, your relationship with fans and your relationship with your own creativity. Like, do you struggle with that? Do you struggle with feedback and being like, you know what? I'm trying to push myself and push what I know I can do, but then I get feedback from fans who are like, hey, I preferred that other joint where you danced to this track or the way you did this video, or the way you collaborated with XYZ person? Like, how does that play for you personally?
0: Uh, it's quite interesting, because I, I think I went through different things through my career, because um, I play in, like, different camps, you know? I've um, started with dance, started experiment with, like, um, comedy, at the time with Vine and stuff like that, and they had, I built, like, a very different... I guess, fine base on different platforms. So that means that there's some people that just wanted me to do funny shit. Some people that just want me to dance. Some people that think I was not funny and should stop doing that. Some people should think I should not dance because I was not good and they had different frame. Or some people that would want me doing some of the things because that's how people are, right? They'll frame you into their worldview or their personal perception and would want you to play within those cards, right? And I always had a uh, confrontational perspective with that which is either I'll take the time of my day like really early to like respond, be like, hey, I do whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then come to the point where I'm not even engaging. Either I'm letting the person say whatever they have to say, or just block them, right? Because I have that ability now. You're taking the time of your day to tell me how I should do or do things. It probably means that you're miserable. And as an artist, I think the most important thing for me is to experiment. I need to... Try to if I want to dress like a Power Ranger, I dress like a Power Ranger. If I want to try to dance to some type of music, I dance to some type of music. If I want to try to venture into another space, I should venture that outer space. So like my role and my duty, just like a um, a surgeon's duty, based on like the awful of like Socrates, would be to ensure that you stay ethical and save people. My duty as an artist is to express myself in the rawest form possible which gives a cathartic experience to myself and to others that's just what i gotta do and i have to challenge myself to try to do other things so like right now it's even like i always have that conscious thought of i always have to express myself and apologically with what i do so if i try something i just try it people don't like it they don't want to support they don't support but that'll be the day basically where I don't go along with that mantra is the day that I contradict myself and I stop being an artist, right? The day when I don't express myself to creative skills and imagination, which means that is my un- unhinged thoughts that just come out in forms of creative skills, then I start being an artist. The day where I have to like emulate patterns. That's one of the reasons why I had so much difficulty hopping on TikTok. And I, I'm on it, but I'm not on it like all people are on it. Because I can't. I can't emulate what other people do. To me, it's just like, it basically, it be, it, it's me becoming a machine learning, prompting machine, which is stupid. You know, I have to retain that raw, expression as an artist i think it's our duties like as art goes and as the world change we have a duty to express ourselves and to speak and say whatever we want to say through art otherwise we lose our uh, essence we lose what drove us to be artists because what i think drives people to be artists is art itself which is either through another artist or the art that you see in the world like that's what drives you to do that so if you don't do that anymore you lose yeah you lose your authenticity and you lose your that flame that makes you do what you do so yeah my thought and in response to your question is to just do what the fuck i want to do i don't want to form no matter who says it even sometimes people close to me will be like Maybe you should do some shorter form content and please the I'm like, no, I do what the fuck I want to do. If I stop doing that, I'm not me anymore, you know?
1: You just answered the question that you asked me. That's the point. That is the relationship. It should be the artist does whatever the hell they want. And it's up to the fans to decide whether they're on the journey or not. That's it. It's as simple as that. I genuinely believe that. The, more, the older I get in life, the more I speak to people such as yourself, the more I realise that, hey, there is no two artists that are the same. They might create similar music because they're trying to create a trend, but every single person is individual. And as a result, you have a duty to yourself and to the world to put out individual art, not art that represents other people. That's the whole point. That's the whole, that's the beauty of art. That's why, you know, when you look at any government, any dictatorship around the world, the first thing, the first people they want to silence is artists because they're individuals and they show you a different way of looking at the world. They show you a different way of thinking. And so when, and so I, the, I worry about art becoming the same because it's a different way of silencing art. Art needs to be different. The fact that you're doing your way and someone else is doing a different way is a great thing, even if it only has five viewers. It's a great thing. People need to be encouraged to do art. So, like, uh, yeah, it's just weird. It's like the more you read, the more you listen, the more you speak to people, the more you're like, oh, no, this world is all about art. It's all about creativity. It just manifests itself in different ways. And so... Why would you want to stop an artist from being exactly who they are? I just don't understand that.
0: That's a really good point. I think we we also um, boxed the term art and creativity in specifically the art the art space. But I think art and creativity is the epitome of human intelligence. Because without creative thinking, you cannot think in different ways. So like the scientist and the philosopher that kind of like marked our worlds in way and shaped it in different ways thought differently. You know, Einstein thought in ways that others could not, which is not just based on like pure IQ that we still can't quantify. It's based on him being able to connect concepts together. And that connection and being able to like um merge and link different things, that's basically creativity. If you can merge the how birds fly to um, how a uh, what's this animal called the mentors? yeah, yeah. how does fly through the to the to the sea or the ocean creativity, being able to like link things that are not necessarily connected and create like a similarity towards them, and I think uh, just like you said, it becomes uh, alarming where. Or art becomes the same. And we also, with the emergence of like machine learning, where things become more and more synthesized and less and less organic, where I think also music, if I listen to music on a generic basis and I just go on Spotify, all sounds sound the same. Like literally, all sound, you'll find this, a formula in each genre. You'll find a formula in pop, in Afro music, in hip hop and jazz and like most of the niches all have a sudden, of formula, kind of like it's a algorithm that's designed for them and they all have the same patterns. And then you will have to dig in to find people that kind of like stand out within those algorithms, right?
1: I think life now is algorithms. Like literally everything we do, everything that's pushed at us is an algorithm. Like it is really weird we've become so linked with technology that like someone who probably listens to this got pushed it based on other things that they were listening to or people that they're following. And so that's only, that's beneficial for me. It's beneficial for you, but at the same time, it's weird because it's like, I kind of just want you to listen for the sake of listening. So it's like we live in this really weird parallel. And I think at some point we're going to be connected physically like literally, we're going to have technology inside our bodies, where we're going to be able to be like we're almost like um like Cyclops, like you can just click your fingers and the tech is already there. I mean, everyone's phone is in their hand or in their pocket or right next to them ninety nine point nine percent of the day. The next evolution has to be that we don't have a phone; it's just inbuilt in us.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I think 10 years ago, that would have been kind of like a wild thought. But right now is, um, we already, I think we already exist because of um, uh, symbiotic tech. So you have uh, those, I forgot the term of it. But you know, when somebody lost a limb or part of an arm and leg, you have a prosthetic. But now you have... um, prosthetic that I have machine learning meaning that you can have a prosthetic for the eye that allows you to like see now there's a uh, lms with like the old nano chip in they trying to like push out and also based on like i think the human ego desire of overcoming death or improving itself beyond human capacities the link between tech and you know biology is going to be a thing that's going to happen maybe in the next decade for sure.
1: Well, I think we're trying to be God in a weird way. Humans are trying to be our own versions. We're trying to disprove God so much that we may inherently prove it by becoming the thing that we thought never existed. So if we are capable of creating life in a weird way, we become God. And then all of a sudden, we're the very being that we never thought could exist so there's a we do have a weird relationship with like living forever but i did want to ask you because you said earlier that you're only going to be able to dance for as long as your body lets you you're going to see a limit and you're going to go i'm going to go down a different path if you could dance forever with no limits and become robotic in that sense would you take that would you take that deal or do you think Uh that Hard don't, if you create... I don't think yeah
0: I think one of the one of the beautiful thing about being human and about life is um the process of life and death the only construct that makes us appreciate the reality that we live in is because of our mortality the only reason why I Or, well, I'll say just me, not generalizing with people, but why I grind and strive for more is because you know that time is a line that only goes forward, which means that you want to do and maximize the time that you have here to best yourself and do the most things that you can do. I don't think I would have, because imagine that things are unlimited. You can't have the same drive that you have when you have a limit on it. So, like, let's say I can't just move and dance forever. Because even if that was the case, I don't dance is a part of my life currently, and I do, like I said, I do. I'm involved into a lot of different things. I do creative strategy, uh, teach a lot, speak, um, and so I'm involved into different realms. And I don't see myself in ten years focusing on that realm. Because I will grow into another person. I'm gonna have a family, I will have another frame of life, and I'll I'll be in another frame of men that would want to have other parts of me that I cultivated it on. And just like I don't think I'll be able to appreciate life if there was not death. Right? I appreciate life because I know that I live and one day I'll pass. Uh, that's why I'm able to make bonds and ensure that the bonds that I make are focused on the bonds that are the most precious to me. Right? I could say, for instance, one of one of my most irrational fears: my mom passing. She's gonna pass one day, right? Would you ask me, would I, if she had the possibility of having an eternal life, would I give it to her? Um, my mind, mean would say yes. But in the same time, I would say probably no, because I don't think she would enjoy eternity, right? Me being able to like, uh, us being able to like, be around people and love people in the way that we do is because there's a finite amount of time that we have with them. So I don't think I will be, I don't think I'll take it. And that's an interesting question, because I think in maybe 50 years, maybe not eternity, but by a biotech enhancement will happen so there will be a portion of human that will be just natural human and a portion of human that will have different techs involved into them and i don't think i will be on that side even though you might be the losing side because you don't have extra sensory vision and other things but i'm really at peace with playing with the card that the universe gifted me because for for also for some weird reason not real reason but to like Human history, man-made things are not really beneficial for us. The, the one of the most, uh, I guess, uh, pertinent example is the fact that the Earth is being destroyed because we don't know how to take care of nature. So I don't. I would not play. The card of like yes let me get a different type of body and brain that can enhance me and stay here forever i don't even think forever is a good lookout you know like i i think uh some good 80 90 years on earth is great 150 200 even years on earth i think it's crazy. seeing the people that you love die pass and i think it's too much of a lifespan
1: well i you know it's funny i spoke about this with my brother uh a couple of days ago and it's like I think I'd go through two versions of myself I'd either go all in on the biotech or I'd go all out and I'd just leave society and I'd just be like, "Fuck this shit I'm going I'm gonna buy some land or I'm gonna live on some land and I'm just gonna try and connect with what it means to be human in the sense of trying to live off the land and trying to live simply instead of what we do now there there is this weird part of me and I'm not that type of person at all, like, at all. But there is a weird part of me that wonders if we're heading the wrong way, that we're making life overly complex with all these things and what we actually need to do is go back to simplistic values of, like, just caring about one another and caring about the people around us and strong relationships rather than the disposable. Because I think that's where life is at the moment. It's like everything is disposable. You know, relationships, people are disposable, music is disposable, food, everything is kind of that weird dynamic and we've kind of disconnected from what it means to be human and we seem to be disconnecting more and more and more. I mean, even working out is like a weird concept right now, like the fact that we've got gyms. Like throughout human existence, people haven't gone to a gym to just lift stuff, but we seem to. Whereas like I went to Italy, no one seems to work out there. It just you walk and riding a bike is the way of life. So I just wonder about where we're going and perhaps if we're, our greediness and our search for knowledge has gone too far and ultimately will be the downfall of us just because we can't stop our natural curiosity. We just cannot help ourselves.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, I don't think there's a way to go back, just based on that human ego that strive for more, right? Since uh, you know, my my partner said something that was quite interesting that uh, there was a loss of touch from humanity after the Renaissance with cultural and societal values to um, basically materialistic. Gains and focuses uh, where even now we function very less. I mean, we, we live in cities. So the concept of community only exists in small cultural groups or religion, but we don't have a sense of community. Like in the city, just like they used to have in small villages and communities, you cannot live here, you would never leave your home open or your door open. Well, that used to be a thing because you would know your neighbor, you would know the clerk. You would know the person that has the shop, but now you can live into a building for maybe 20 or 30 years, but you don't know anybody that lives around you, right? We don't have that sense of community and connection. And I think the more we advance with society and the more we commodify things, because like you said, everything is a commodity now, even personal relationships, right? You have dating sites where now you can date several people at the same time, where we used to date with intention. That it's doesn't like. really work because you have a concept in your mind where it's, you can replace that. You can get maybe a five or six partners. So you don't even think of building um, long-term bonds with people, right? Um, and if everything becomes a commodity or if everything beca- as a price, it becomes almost, I think the only thing that is not commodified yet is the life part where your life still is something of value. But if that becomes a community, then you'll change y- humanity forever. But I think we already reached a stage where even though physi- physiologically and mentally, we're the same humans that we've, we've been for like thousands of years, we are psychology has changed and we still don't understand how much he has changed. Cause we still don't understand. I think how much, the new tech, the phone, the relationship to be interconnected with the world has changed us. Cause I don't even think we're supposed to, I'm not supposed to know what's happening in Turkey. If there's a bomb that dropped in Syria or if there's a typhoon in Florida, I'm not supposed to know all of these di- disaster cause it's not my geolocation, right? Before people could only or would only reveal around their proximity which meant that psychologically they were present, but we never fully present because we always connected to other things and other people. And thinking more because you know, you're a creator, I'm an artist and I create, so I have a very specific relationship with my tech, which is I drop the stuff that I need to drop and then I would uh, read sometime using my phone or listen and watch documentaries. But I don't consume content. Like I literally don't. I don't scroll. I don't, I don't do that. So I have a very different relationship. Even for me, I have to sometimes consciously go and look at what my friends do, because they're my friends and I like show some love. Cause I don't I don't consume content at all. Right. So because of that, it means that I'm not really connected, right? But the general person. Example, when I go in Asia and I see, and you know, my partner made that, when the reflection will be in the, like, if we take, rarely take, but if I'll take transport, you'll see like maybe 30 or 40 people, like with their heads down on the phone, awoke like zombies with the phone, they just scrolling. So the general consumer consume a beyond normal amount of content, on top of that they're interconnected to everything that's happening and i'm talking about i'm still talking about adults so let's not even go into the realm of gen z and gen x that's born with TikToks, and uh, they're born with the algorithm they're part of it like that's what they do they're i don't even think they can you can dissociate the algorithm and them because they're born with that like they're this baby that we're given iPads as a firm for a first form of interaction. I've seen two year old hey, that are able to manipulate an iPad. To me, it's crazy because you're two, but you're already able to do that because you have that symbiotic connection with the tech instead of having that first connection with nature because you're just out playing with a tree or a flower or you've seen animals and you know, so these changes that we don't necessarily know about yet that has that has affected us, but will and already affected the generation after us. So, you know, the next humans will be very different just because they have different sorts of values. They also have different perspective because if you can proof check or have a conversation, and instead of trying to think and figure out what your own um, processes, what may be what you think is, you go on Google to find your answer. That also makes you very different as a person and, and um, that differentiates your critical thinking because you don't have to rely on that. You don't have to be critical. You just have to have an opinion and then check if your opinion is correct based on like what an algorithm is telling you. And a lot of people are like this. Like even me, I have nephews. And to me, it's like amazing because we'll discuss things and... You'll be like, really? And go and check Google and see if it's right, you know, because he's also learning new yeah. things at school. But then I can have a conversation with them and try to challenge it. But their reflex is I have my phone and my phone, going back to what you said, the internet is a form, is a, almost like a godly form. Because if you're sick for your questions and the answers, on Google or any other apps that would respond to that, it means that this kind of like a higher form of intelligence because he has an answered that you can answer to, which I think is already totally
1: crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it is really weird. Like, when I think about it, what makes this really good is you and I are just talking straight. There's no distractions. It's just you and I, like we're not on our phones, but like in life, when like you don't talk to people for an hour straight plus without looking at your phone. They go to the bathroom, I look at my phone. They go here, I look at my phone. And I have this really weird theory that just came into my head right now. And I'm going to say it, so no judgment, but so I was listening to an audio book by Jordan Peterson and it's like the 12 rules to life. Um. And he's, a philo- he's like a, a therapist, but in my mind, a bit of a philosopher. And rule number one is stand up straight. Because it it's like the, the body follows the mind and the mind follows the body. And so my theory is we're obsessed with our phones, right? And so we're looking like this. And so we're almost training ourselves to look down. And we're training ourselves to become more passive and less confident because we're always looking down. And there's something weird about that to me of like, we're so used to looking down instead of standing up straight. Like, isn't that strange though, that like that is where our tech is? It's always down. It's always in our hands. It's never prompting us to stand up straight and feel confident. You never feel better playing on your phone. You always feel worse. And I think that has something to do with like our relationship to it and how it impacts you physically. And it just like clicked the other day to me. And I was like, this is really strange because like, if you stood up straight, you definitely feel better. You feel more confident. And the more you look down, the worse it is.
0: I mean, that's a good point because our physiology is we, it's it's a weird thing. We are our body Without being our body, meaning that the way that you feel will be based on like how much connected you are with your body. In the same sense as there's people that never stretch in their life and they feel tension, cramps, and everything because the body is the avatar. So it's kind of like you know if your car is not oiled properly, you don't take care of it. The the uh, proficiency of your car is going to be low. It's not going to be able to perform well. If you take care of your car and you oily properly, you get that maintenance right, you're going to be able to do a lot of mileage and that, you know, is going to feel good. And same with the body, the stance, the way that you carry yourself is extremely important. And let's just, like you said, which is interesting because people are naturally, because I see it, They it's not even that they look down, they curved. And you normally curve when you feel bad or when you feel pain. When you have stomach cramps, when you feel intimidated, you know, it's just like animals react, like you'll curve into yourself, like in the fidgets position, because you feel you have a low self-esteem or you're, you know, you feel depressed and you have all of the negative emotional bodily feeling that makes you feel like that. But people will consciously do that because for some reason, the phone is not meant to be operated here. You're not meant to operate your phone like this. You're meant to operate it here. And normally, you're never sitting down, you know, at a desk and doing this, you know. So it's a very interesting relationship that we have uh, with the phone, because people would walk through a street, looking down.
1: Yeah, and that's a sign of weakness. Like,
0: yeah, like like, that's, and, like yeah. dispersing everything around them, but just looking down and like tunnel vision and not even like looking at where they're going.
1: Take the phone away. Take the phone out of their hand. Someone who's looking down is perceived as weaker than, it doesn't matter, it's not even a size thing. It's like you look down, you avert your eyes, and that is a human-to-human thing, inherent thing of like the human who doesn't stand up straight is the weaker one, is the one who's more submissive in the relationship between whoever it is. So it's like this really weird thing. And you're right. Negativity promotes like a beaten down kind of posture. Um so I don't I don't know, it's weird. It, like the more I start looking at this stuff, the more I'm like, oh, we need to manage our relationship. Like I started reading yesterday for the first time in ages because I was like, I'm not reading books. I don't know why I'm not reading books, but I need to read again. I need to let my mind be able to focus on one thing without getting distracted. Like even watching a TV show, I'm on my phone. That's not good for us. We should be able to focus on one thing. I should be able to watch you dance and not feel like I need to be on my phone to take photos or to do whatever. I just need to be able to sit in the moment and be able to enjoy it. And I mean, that's what you said at the very beginning of the show that you need to be in the moment to be able to create the best art that you can. Because if you were distracted, it would be impossible. You're never allowing yourself to feel what you're feeling.
0: Yeah, and I think we lose that. One of the most important things that we have is the present. And people tend to focus on the future or the past. The future a lot because I think it's the human... uh, the human conundrum to our impending death. So we try to visualize and do things for the future, but forget that the present is the most important thing. And I was speaking about this with my partner again. Uh, the whole meditation concept, which basically meditation is just trying to teach you to focus on being here now, right? Um, through physical art, though, it's a lot more. It's a lot easier. Just like you know, professional athletes, because you have to be present. A, a high performing basketball player has to be able to like do millisecond choices and decision by being here now, right? If I dance, I'm here. I'm not there, I'm not there, I'm here trying to tap into the flow state. So we kind of like pushed into having, being forced into being present, right? Um, Which I think also gives me that ability to, uh, and also because I don't consume content. I think that's also probably that because I don't consume content in the same way that people do. uh, And I'm very intentional with the content I consume. Like I said, it will be documentaries, so something that I feed my brain and the only entertainment now maybe consume me something that I read, you know, like which are mangas or other things like this that I'll just read on my phone when I don't have the book to read. So all of that also makes me, I've never been into the scrolling loop, for instance. And I see because it's an algorithm, it's meant for that. So I see people that have patterns, they'll do it subconsciously even now. And... You're absorbing a small amount of content still, but you're not really here because you're in better mode just doing this. And I think the better mode is very dangerous because that's when you're the most susceptible to absorb information. You know, it's just like when, well, that, that was the power of TV. You watch TV and I, I used to watch TV as a kid too. And you just sit there like, you know, kind of like zoned out and you absorb a bunch of things that you don't even know you're absorbing because you're on a better wave. And everything is just coming subconsciously into you. And I think the phone is giving the same the same uh, reaction and frequency. Um, so I think, yes, it's important for people to also be conscious of their relationship with, with their phone, like how you're using it. Even if you use it to consume content, you've got to be conscious about the content that you're consuming it for and which it is that you're consuming. Because a lot of people have, just like you said, a symbiotic almost relationship with it even i have things where uh because that's where my time is so what the first thing that i do when i wake up is check the time so i open my phone right well before years ago it was not my phone i had a clock near my bed so i'll just check the clock but not the phone right so i think this is also the fact that this technology has so many things incorporated with it that we became kind of like self-sufficient with it you know but even speaking about dick i think i'll you know i'll buy a clock at home so i have an alarm next to my bed and i could just look at that because there's so many things in it It's, it's my alarm it's my time it's uh you know my phone it's my emails everything is included within that technology so it makes it hard to not have a check in at first and a check out before you go to sleep.
1: Well, I mean that's why I wear a watch, and I don't have an Apple Watch because number one, I hate them. I hate Apple watches; they're the worst. They just don't—they don't look like watches at all. Like I like the the look and feel of a normal watch. Whereas, like I agree with you with like the yeah, it's just symbiotic. Our relationship with it is weird. But what you were saying made me think about: Do you think the difference? between a normal athlete or you know even the very best athlete and a normal person is how present they are in that moment like how how in it they feel like do you think that that plays a huge part in the ability to perform
0: um in the ability to perform yes then then there's a lot of different factors uh there's of course genetics um the training that you have skill set environment but um, the ability to be present, which is the state of flow, will make the difference between, let's say you have two high-performing athletes, it'll make the difference between, you know, a Michael Jordan and and a Kobe performing against a, uh, I don't know, a KD or a Shaquille O'Neal. That presentness will make that difference. Is that, you're fully committed to the moment right now and nothing else and a lot of people don't have that capacity to just be now
1: how did you work? That? how did you work on that
0: i don't think i think it's um it's kind of it's it's kind of like how can i put this it's kind of like food right or an experience that you taste i tasted the flow state all right I tested it. So I knew what it feels. I knew I could recognize the state and the feeling and then you try to catch it. So you run after that feeling and try to perform and try to catch it, which is very difficult and it's a bad relationship. But then you're able to have a sort of sense of understanding of like what that state is, which is that I'm here right now. And I'm just focusing on one element, one thought, that's a of vision. So if, example,'m I'm, uh, I'm practicing movement, right? there's nothing else around me. And you can it's literally like meditation because I could catch my thought, for instance, I could move around and maybe, oh, I looked at the window, but I looked at the window being conscious of the window. My thought is diverted. Even if it's a little thought, I know that I'm not fully fully present. Because I could do the same thing and catch the window, be aware of the window, but still being in my space, which is kind of like what you got to do when you play a high performing sport. Like when you play basketball and it's like five seconds under the line, you have your ball control, you have the awareness of your space and the surrounding, and then you have decision making that you got to make, right? It's the same with movement. Like you're able to be so present that your brain also through training is able to make millisecond type decision making right but yeah that's the state of being able to like catch your thoughts and the more present you are the less thoughts are there there's never no thoughts like there may be no thoughts that you're conscious of but it's always thought subconsciously otherwise basically your body and anything else cannot operate like the the signals that you send but yes that presentness i think is can be acquired or worked on if people do things that requires them to be present within their body because even meditation which requires stillness forces you to be present in your body and that's, I think the thing that's super important going back to like standing strength is a lot of people dissociate or are in their body without being present, right? Feeling your heartbeat, feeling how your muscle tense or how you feel, you know, the different, maybe you have cramps, How the different tensions in the different zones of your body, all of that awareness that allows you to like be here and now, like how how does your feet feel touching the ground, you know? Little things just like a lot of people just wear shoes all the time. So they don't even know how it feels to have your feet on like you know, just the floor or earth or the sand, like all those connections while wow. it's important to feel here and to be present is being here right now. So yeah, as uh the till this you... day, I try to emulate that flow state as much as possible.
1: The way you describe it makes it sound like peace. Like, you know, that's, that's what it sounds like. As you're talking about it, it sounds like you're at a level of peace with yourself. You're at a level of peace. The phone just died. Give me one sec, folks. No stress, we're back. Yes, um, but yeah, I think I was saying, it sounds like your description of that is peace. You're in that flow state. You're in a sense of peace and you're just in the moment. You don't, you're not worried. By anything else you're able to just literally experience what you're experiencing and i think ultimately that's what we lack sometimes is a lack of just peace and just feeling like everything's okay
0: mm-hmm. yeah I, ne- I never looked at it in that uh from that perspective but i think yes that's the closest sense to peace is being here and appreciating the moment and whatever is going on and happening and yes, you don't worry about a single thing in a yeah. sense.
1: And I think that's what we need to strive for as humans. I think it's a weird thing. We always say we want to be happy, but happiness is a feeling. Like it's a state as much as sadness is a state. Like you said, life doesn't really have meaning without death in the sense that happiness doesn't have meaning without sadness. But mm-hmm. peacefulness... Is a state of being where it's just like I can experience all the range of emotions, but ultimately internally, I'm in a place where I feel good and I feel comfortable, and I'm not worried constantly by the outcome of the day. That's a really good point.
0: Um, I think I yeah spoke about that with my partner too. When she, uh, she used to ask me like, "Why do I get excited?" and I was like. Excited to me, or excitement is a big statement. Um, because I, I don't think I don't know if I'm, I think a, a part of me is stoic in a son sense, but not really. It's just that I can't, I guess, my personal relationship with those fluctuating emotions. I get sad like everybody sometimes. The amount of things that make me sad is very low, right? I get happy. But my happiness being simplistic means like, for example, I'm happy right now, but I don't feel like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> I'm ecstatic. I know that I'm happy because I'm not sad. And I I define my state, if I'm not sad, I'm happy. If I'm sad, I'm not happy. If I'm not sad, I'm happy. So that's kind of like, and I don't need to do things and everything should be content. Uh, but I de- again, it exactly goes back to what you said. And never never thought about it this way because I'm at peace. Because I'm at peace, happiness is not, you know, doesn't go super high or super low. It's just things I did. I'm content with what is going on. I'm not sad, so I know that I'm happy. And a lot of people, which may not be sad right now, may think that they're not happy. While you have those polarities to let you know where you stand on on the scale. If you're not sad, you're definitely happy. You know, it's just that you're not able to see your happiness because you're not able to or you're not willing to stand still or look out the things that you have or the place that you are in or maybe the peace that you have. Because if you're not at peace, you're definitely not happy. Yeah. You know, that's, like, I, I think peace is one of the things that's, like, super undervalued. Um, but peace of mind, like, if you do not have peace of mind, you're literally trapped into yourself with things that are bringing disarray to your well-being at all time. Like you don't feel good in your body. You don't feel good in your mind and your outer world will be also a reflection of this, I believe.
1: Yeah. I think emotions to strive towards an emotion is a weird place to be. And I think it goes back to like what we're conditioned to. And, you know, The algorithm and scrolling, that's about feeling good in the sense of happy because it's like the serotonin hit. But, yeah, I think, you know, the more I read and the more I listen to, like, philosophers talk and and just their commentary about life, the more I'm like, oh, it's peacefulness that we need to go for. You need to be able to end your life going, (sighs) like, you know, that, that you were able to breathe out You were able to just be like, you know what? My life wasn't perfect, but it was a good life in the sense of I lived it and I'm okay with the way it turned out. And that's it. I think that's ultimately all we can really try and achieve when it comes to internal satisfaction. Obviously, we all want to make money and travel the world and, like, you know, do all those types of things. But at the end of the when it's all said and gone, you want to be able to look back on your life and be like, "I lived a pretty good life, and I impacted people well, and that was it and that's there's something simple and beautiful about that sometimes we forget simplicity is beautiful in in this, in that sense that's why some music is just so simple, but it hits you. all you need is like a piano, and that's it, and then all of a sudden, the lyrics hit you, and it's so simple, but it's perfect. And there is something about that in life as well.
0: Yeah, that's very beautifully said. I think uh, it's, um we've, uh, in a certain sense, I think we've um, connected complexity with higher quality. Just like in our technology, in our, in the design that we make, in the fashion, in the lifestyle, nobody needs like a, nobody needs as a couple or um, a family of like two or three kids, a six or seven story house mansion. Nobody needs that. But people have that based on what it represents rather than the actual um, need that you have, right? But complexity, for some reason, is in part with higher quality of some of the things. And simplicity is being look down upon generally speaking like the more simple something comes out it means that the quality of it is probably lower right um so i think it's a uh, it's very interesting how through time the things that we value changed because before simplicity was one of the most valuable, valuable things right you had um for example if an artisan would have to like Confectionate your shirt that would be ex- of extreme value because it would have made by a specialist. It would have taken time. Now, if you have now you have branding that is more more uh, prized than the time, effort, or quality of a certain product. So, if you have Apple making the chair rather than the artisan making a chair, you take Apple because the brand represent a more complex and identifiable ideal to you because if it is complex and you buy into it you become a complex person just like with linguistic we could speak about a topic in very simpler ways right but if certain terms are not used that are more not necessarily more formal but more um esoteric so these codes that are more compli- complicated maybe I'll be seen as less intelligent because I'm utilizing um, a verbiage that is very simplistic while we can speak about the same topic. But if I use vocabulary that is more complex, more refined, I may sound a lot more intelligent while the context of what I'm saying is the same thing. And it's uh, so a quote that I love. Uh, I don't remember what it was. I think, was it Einstein again? That basically said that if... Um, you can't explain things in simple terms. You don't really know them, and yeah, I find that was, that, with that, a was lot of that was Einstein. That was Einstein. I agree. I find that with a lot of scientists, uh, the scientists that can break down concept in um, lemon terms and be very understood, like you get it purposefully, and there's other scientists that would have to utilize very complex code in order to speak some people just speak like this because that's basically the vocabulary that they have to learn and i also found that for some reason um specificities within the medical background and science also build like that also building in this way to make it hard to have access to like nothing needs to be called the diplo close occurs flux it doesn't need to be called like this right but for some reason they come up with like things that are really hard to say, which could be simplified by, "This is a long reptile or an ancient dinosaur," right? But I found I found this very interesting um, because it kind of like applies to like many things in life, even with music, right? You have some uh, musician that can say a lot of things by saying nothing, right? I found some lyricists that can be very simple into the terms that you're utilizing, but find some beautiful complexity within that, that you have to like listen to a few times. She kind of like correlates the rhymes or the metaphors that are used. And then there's some lyrics that use a lot of big words, but they don't say anything. They just use a lot of big words that rhyme, but the meaning, the meaningfulness of what they said, is kind of like lost in translation. That's why quotes are so
1: good. That's why, you know, just general quotes. I love quotes using one sentence to sum up something. If you like, I genuinely believe if you can use one sentence to sum up something, that is the truest form. It's simple, but it's a complex idea. There, There is something in there where the simplicity of it goes so far. It's like the other way around, like the best chefs in the world, they can do all the complex stuff, but their best dishes are simple. It's a it's just good quality ingredients, well cooked. There's something really simple about good quality bread and butter, or like olive Mm. oil. And like it's this those things are like inherently to us as humans just so good, but it's the simplest food. And so that's why in language I think is really important. And you spoke about what Einstein said, and there are countless of examples, but those quotes, those one-line quotables. That's what makes it awesome is because in one sentence they make you think and they make you ponder an idea through just one sentence of speech.
0: That's very true. I think um, if we're able to focus on encap- encapsulating complex thoughts and ideas into simpler simple manner, it, communication will be a lot easier. In the same sense where with music, being able to make great song with a lot less synthetic arrangement towards them. I think this is where you get great music. You know, that's why acoustic music used to be incredible. Because you have live music, the person singing with no arrangement, and then you get to you get to experience it, right? Cause in the same sense, like when I listen to music right now, it's very synthetic. So the experience and the receiver end is not the same, as like for instance, if I would go to uh, a, a Rika Bedu concert, when I have the guitarist, the bass, the drummers all positioned in very specific alignment, for me to hear the instrument layers differently. So you know, the vocalist not going to be fully at the back because maybe I need to hear the vocals fall from. So like all of that will be arranged in front of me and I'll be receiving it in the same way. And now because sounds still sound good, but I think the quality of the experience changes because we're still very, I think we're still as human very um sensitive to organic material. Just like you know a piece of cloth that would be made of um that would be made of um velvet you know, that you touch. And the feel will make you feel the sun away, right? Which could differentiate from cotton, like 100% cotton. The feel will be very different. I think it's the same with music. Listening to a string of a guitar that resonates and vibrate in front of you is different than a synthetic guitar that is made on uh, FL Studio, right? Because you won't receive that vibration. The same with the voice. If I hear a voice that's like, been changed with what's the auto-tune. what is the software say again auto tune auto tune right and then i hear a voice with a bass that vibrate and resonates he'll hit me differently just like chip pain on auto tune and t pain with auto tune which actually blew my mind because I just thought I didn't think it was a branding thing I thought I, I couldn't sing. It's crazy, right? Because for the first time I was able to receive his vocal blueprint and that lives somebody's vocal blueprint leaves something with you. Just like you have voices in hip hop that sound very specific. Snoop has a very specific voice. If I hear him rap, like you receive something. It's specific. It's very different than if I listen to Kendrick, if I listen to Biggie or Pac or DMX. Like DMX will literally be a a whirlwind of like somebody howling into your brain. But you know, I'll receive that vibration, and I think all of those things are important because, regardless of like the era that we, I think, going into, as human, we're still very sensitive, sensitive to those organic, you know, things that makes us feel. Because the rest make me make, make probably make, may appeal to our ear because we are still. I think in the same way that we consume the algorithm, we'll be in we're being programmed by the algorithm that we consume. The same sense where a lot of people maybe not have been in tune with like um example, my mom is from she was born in nineteen fifty-two, right? So she had to like learn how to type at some point. Right? But now she's kinda like she's familiar with the phone and the technology and stuff like this right but there was a time when there was a dissonance between the two but a brain has already been programmed to accept that as a normal thing well a phone is also an extension because she can communicate with me no matter where i am in the world she can be in contact with other people and be in tune with what's going on so there's a programming with that and despite the programming i still think that we're still sensitive to some of things because we remain human but then it goes back to one of the first topic that we spoke about as uh or maybe the question that i want to ask what do you think what do you think it means to be human
1: well now that is the question philosophers have thought of for thousands of years ever since humans i think ever existed but you know there's there's one quote and I think it's by Descartes, and it is. there's only one thing we know for certain, and it's, I think, therefore, I am. I think that is what it is. If you're capable of thought, that is as human as anything else. That is the only thing we can know for sure. I can only know that this is not, like, I don't know if this is real or not. I hope it's real, but the only thing I can guarantee is my own thoughts because this could be a simulation. It could be, I could be insane. This could be a manifestation of whatever it is, but the simple action of thinking means that you exist. And in doing so inherently probably means that you're human. And that's probably what we think about AI. What's the difference between us and AI? It's like complex thought. It's like, are you self-aware enough to be like, Oh, I exist. And, and I think that's, as much as we can get through to it,
0: this way it becomes yeah. kind of scary because you made a very valid point. But because right now we don't have AI yet, like the community and the spaces marketed the branding of AI, but it's all so machine learning.
1: Oh, we have being- it. We have it. It's just not public. I have no doubt governments already have it. There is, I mean, as if they give that they're giving us Chat GPT, they're giving us the public. Imagine the shit that they have. I have no doubt that they're capable of creating proper AI. Like,
0: I think it's capable. I don't think the tech is there yet, though. I really don't think the tech is there yet. Why I don't think the tech is there yet is because machine learning is already extremely scary. And I'm not talking about chat GTP because that's basically uh, chat GTP on its own is very inoffensive. But just that software into a physical robot now already becomes, you know, like technology on crack because now you have a physical manifestation of that machine learning that's capable of um, being trained and doing a bunch of things. But the tech itself of like AI, I think, requires still more time. I don't think we're that far away. I think just like you said, before it become publicized, either Russia or the, cause it's a, they're racing for it. That's why I know for a fact, they don't have it yet. But the, the main powers in the world are racing for uh, acquiring the first ever AI, right? And I think this is where it gets scary. Cause if what makes us human is, I think therefore I am and you've made a synthetic life form that thinks and is, then we go back to, again, asking the same question, what makes us human? Because that would mean that this life form is, I quote, human, because they think, therefore they are. So that's where you create like a whole, and this is weird to have those conversations because we thought of this as science fiction fiction, you know, dystopian movies, but we kind of like live in the realities that we're, we did not want to have in those movies that we're on the brink of like creating a synthetic life that has incriminating power and is a lot more intelligent than us. So we don't actually know where we're going when that's happening. You know, when, it's, when that happens, it's similar to like basically bringing a black hole into the space. of paradox where you don't know Nobody knows what's going to happen after that. And I think it's very, it's a cryptic future to look at.
1: And then, but then it also raises ethical questions among, so like if you say that it is human and then you don't give it the rights as the same rights we have, you essentially create a race of people who have, who are worse off that you created. It's like this weird ethical conundrum of like, Uh, if they have emotions and therefore can feel pain, how do we treat them in the world? Like, what does that mean for us? Because we, the whole point of like our own human evolution right now is slavery. We talk about it a lot and like the history of slavery in every culture around the world. But then when we create AI and have robots do things for us, don't we then repeat the same mistakes our ancestors made in the past? just in a different manifestation by creating faux human or essentially human, but then we don't give it rights, even though it can do everything we can. So it's like this weird place we're heading into of like a minefield of ethical and reality questions. And number one, this is not where I expected you and I to start talking about, because this is <laughs> the not the forum for us. We're not going to solve the, the questions here, but you know, it starts to become this, like, weird paradox of, like, the very thing we're trying to heal could be the thing that we ultimately create, which is us being top-tier existence and then a subcategory of existence that we don't really believe is as good as us. It's like, I don't know, it's it's hard to really rationalize those things.
0: Uh, it's it's a very complicated complicated question because it involves I mean the entire thing around artificial intelligence focusing on morality. I don't trust humans to be moral and ethical at all, right? Uh, and the fact that we just we've just machine learning there's no regulations and laws because everybody's running and rushing trying to not only market the product to the masses but also trying to get that take before anybody else does. And there's like two versions of things. One the first person that controls AI, basically is God on earth, right? Because you have the most powerful and most intelligent thing that exists. Because um, right now we don't have the tech. Actually, this is interesting, because when I was I, I was given access to some machine learning apps uh, on the beta phase, so I had access to Chat GTP pretty early, right? And for some reason, the version that I had for one day bugged out and i think access to the internet right because it normally is closed up on the internet yeah, but mine september 2003 yeah mine did a search that was real time the day after it didn't work out but i've seen i've seen it do that and by doing that search it was able to give me information about a business that um i was wanted to pitch to and they go to market strategy and basically find a bunch of things in a matter of second, And I was scared. And that's just the machine learning algorithm. Not thinking that you have your own artificial intelligence that's able to be connected to everything at the same time and give you any information about anybody that you want. Because one of the things that's the scariest is that we don't care about anymore. What people don't really care about is their data, which is the new goal Data tells you everything about anybody because they tell you what they think about, what they want, what they consume, what they research um, through their lifetime. So imagine now that you have a thing that can access every single data in the world, and, which is crazy to me. And we're not even thinking about like it being weaponized. You know? So there's a lot of things and ethical concepts that people will start thinking after they made it because they're just trying to make it right now. And they'll try to think, after making something that cannot be, um, something that cannot be rewanted. like you cannot raise what is made. And then there's the other concept of already, um, the people that program those machine learning algorithms don't know how they learn new things. They don't understand their intelligence. So there's new emerging capacity that they have, but they don't know how they have it. So you already have built something that you don't fully understand. And I think it goes back to what we said, or what you said mentioned about the human ego and trying to be God on earth. Cause you see some red flags that are quite alarming and be like, ah, oh, it's for the sake of uh, evolution and growth. So it doesn't matter if we don't understand this, just keep on making them.
1: That is the story of humans for time is we do stuff and then we make laws and we're like, maybe we need to regulate this a little bit and just like, Try and control it, but that is literally humanity in a sentence is we just do stuff and then we think about consequences later. That is it That is humanity's existence from the dawn of time. We just do shit, and whatever happens happens and I'm aware of our time. I feel like you and I could talk forever. I think that's <laughs> so good, like we seem to just naturally just go back and forth, and I'm wary of your time, as I said. You're on tour. I mean, you're in China right now. I'm in Australia. So I love the, I mean, we speak about tech, but we get to do this around the world. And we're definitely going to have to do this again and talk about, you know, more of what you're doing. But I only have one more question for you. And it's probably the hardest. I've asked you some tough questions. Actually, we've both asked each other some tough questions. But if you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of, can be any genre of music, what would it be?
0: Um I'm gonna have to say the first thing that came up on top of my head, Erica Badu, um uh, America.
1: Such a good project. Why yeah, that yeah, project?
0: He had some of the best songs that I've you know listened to through different pairs in time of my year, like the Hiller. Um yeah, so you have yeah it'll be the album. It would either it would either be the her or I thought Kendrick DNA, but yeah, Erica Badu, I think because he encapsulate a lot of nail soul also hip hop. Um, yes, that that would be the one that I recommend.
1: Awesome choice. Well, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. As I said, I didn't expect for us to touch on any of the topics that we touched on today. That's why I love doing it the way we did it, which is just organic and live in the moment. That's your motto, live in the moment and let happen whatever happens. But for anyone who wants to check him out, please do. You've got YouTube channels. You've got Instagram channels as well. You've got your website. We didn't even get to touch on the fact that you're a CEO of a company. We're going to have to bring you back on the show. This is my excuse to get you back on the show. But man, is there anything? Yeah,
0: we chop up for sure.
1: Is there anything you wanted to plug, anything you wanted to shout out before we wrap it up?
0: Um, oh, yeah. This might be my random, but you never know. I'm going to be uh, after the tour and everything. I'll be in Dubai uh, during fall. So if anybody is located in Dubai and wants to work, collaborate, hit me up around October until December. I'm going to be out there doing you know,
1: some. You know what? This might drop at a good time because this will probably drop in like six or so weeks. So it'll be closer to, so, so yeah, for anyone who wants to collab, reach out to shadow. Absolutely. Awesome artist. As we said, I think you're, you're definitely an artist. I think people use the word dancer, but what you do is definitely creative art. And as I said, at the beginning of the show, it's unique. That's why it stands out. That's what made it stand out to me. And man, I can't wait to see you keep going in your career and also see you hit all the other avenues that we kind of spoke about, but definitely we'll have to do this again.
0: For sure. Thank you for your time, my man. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.